Welcome to this week's message. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Ray Dirksen, the lead pastor here at Southland Church. For more information about this message and other resources, visit myselfland.com. I want to talk to you uh, about confirming what you hear from God in prayer. If ever we needed to hear God in prayer, it's today. Our country, our world is moving, is becoming ever darker. And as it becomes darker, the light has the opportunity to shine. But it's also possible for a light to be shining dimly. And one of the reasons is that the church hasn't learned how to connect with her Lord in this matter of prayer and also hearing God's voice in prayer. I think about something that happened. Uh, There's a group of missionaries, American uh, missionaries, who, who prepared the Chinese church for, at least that's what they said, for the Chinese revolution that came. And uh, when the Chinese revolution came, they really learned to hear God's spirit. They knew how to hear God's voice, and they knew how to navigate the dangers. In fact, uh, there was an underground church, and I've been, I've been there, as you know, being in an underground college, well, several of them, actually, and a couple of their underground churches in their services. And in, in one in particular, there's a story that came out that they thought they had an infiltrator, somebody that was, was reporting them. So one morning, one morning when they gathered, the, the head of the group, the leader said, this is what we're going to do. Uh, Next week, I'm not going to tell you what time uh, or what date or what place we're going to meet. You're just going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because they they didn't know who it was that was informing on them. And so that week, the the underground church prayed and they listened to the Holy Spirit. And on on, on a particular date, at a particular time, they met at a particular place and there was one person missing because they had learned how to listen to God's voice. They knew how to hear his voice. The church today in the West does not, for the most part, know how to hear God's voice. And many in the leadership of the churches don't know how to hear God's voice. And we must prepare our people so that the Holy Spirit can navigate in a powerful way and that we can shine powerfully through these difficult times. Amen? But we're going to have to learn how to do it. But there's a flip side to all of this, and that is that people hear his voice and then they do foolish things. And so we want to look this morning to see if there is a... If, if there are some guidelines that the, the scriptures give us, obviously we're not going to be able to go through it all. This, this actually could be an entire series, a lengthy series. And I'm going to have to condense it and even then leave out uh, certain points. But I'm going to look at seven if we've got time. Uh, things that we can do to keep within the fences, if you like. And so before we do that, let's just bow for a word of prayer. And let's just, uh, maybe you want to hold out your hand like this and just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning about this matter of, of prayer and listening prayer and knowing how to receive confirmation from God in prayer. 
Why don't we ask the Lord to help us grow in this matter of hearing his voice and of, of, and of knowing how to confirm his voice for the big things that he may be telling us and asking us to do. Father, we ask that by your Spirit, uh, you would place in us the desire and the ability. That's Philippians 2.13 we're praying right now. Your grace <clears throat> to give us that desire, even right now as we're sitting here. Maybe we don't even have that desire. And I pray that you'd place that desire deep in our heart. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're going to do. And everybody agreed by saying? When the Holy Spirit nudges us to speak to a stranger, help a neighbor, visit someone in the hospital, hand out a compliment, witness to a friend, such a message from God doesn't need confirmation. We just do it. Amen? We just do it. However, when we sense that God is asking us to do something that involves a bigger type of decision, like a move, a marriage, a career change, ministry opportunity, retirement, whether we should or not, building a new house, uh, purchasing or selling a business, handling a difficult challenge, and so on and so on, we need confirmation. Because it affects other people. It affects us, but it also affects other people around us. There's a fine line between faith and foolishness. The exact same action may be faith when carried out by one person, but foolishness when carried out by another. In fact, the same action carried out by the same person may be faith the first time and foolish, uh, foolishness the next. I have never counseled anyone to move their family to another city without a job, money, support, or a place to stay when they got there. Yet that's exactly what Fran and I did on July 1st, 1984, with four little kids in tow. And three years later, not only was there a church, not only was it self-supporting, but we were able to buy a house, though we didn't have one cent when we moved in. But though we did it in, at, at that time, it's the only time we did it in 17 moves. The fine line that differentiates faith and foolishness is God speaking. If God says it, then you do it. If not, then you don't. It's that simple. And that complicated. But we can't assume we're always hearing correctly for several reasons. We're human, number one, and sometimes we just get things wrong because we usually can't see the whole picture. In fact, we never can see the whole picture. We're not omniscient, are we? God is, though. Second, sometimes our human desires get confused with God's voice. Our desires get all mixed up in there, and what we, you know, what we are thinking may be God's voice may actually be our own desires speaking very, very loudly. Third, God often speaks to us in whispers. Not always, but often. In fact, I would argue most often. Because he's, speak, he's speaking to us all the time throughout the day. And most of it is not loud. It's in whispers. God could have simply written his will in the sky so that we'd, uh, so that we'd get it. But the whisper is better suited to a relationship with free, intelligent beings. If God wrote his messages uh, to us in the sky, so to speak, that would be more like being coerced to believe. Like, how can you not believe that? 
When there's a message, says God, maybe you even see his face. Heaven won't be filled, however, with those who were reluctantly coursed into heaven. Aren't you glad? Then we, then we would start all over with the kind of world we're living in today. And where, I, where, where the Bible says we can go, and of course it's going to be heaven on earth, a renewed earth, there's not going to be any reluctant people there. There's not going to be anybody standing there and worshiping Jesus like this. Would you agree? So God hides himself just enough so that the careless will not find him on the one hand and so that those with hearts seeking him can find him on the other. It's brilliant. Fourth, the devil plants thoughts in her spirit in the same way that God does. And that's why we're instructed to test the spirits, according to 1 John. And we see that same pattern in the Old Testament when God called Gideon to deliver the Israelites from the inv invading Midianite forces. Gideon asked for and received three signs. You know, the meat was consumed by the, uh, by the fire that came off the rock when the angel touched it, the angel of the Lord. And then Gideon asked for dew on the wool fleece one time and dry around. And then the third time, Gideon asked for a dry wool fleece, but dew all around. Now, some judge Gideon with a lack of faith, but wait a minute, wait a minute. There were 135,000 Midianites versus 32,000 Israelites. The odds were four to one. And then God told him to send home the fearful. So ten, uh, that left 10,000 in the odds worsened to 13 to 1. God said it was still too many. He was finally left with 300, and the odds were 450 to 1. Had he heard right? God then offered Gideon a final sign without Gideon even asking. God told him to go down to the Midianite camp to eavesdrop. And Gideon arrived just as one of the soldiers was telling another that he had a dream. A round loaf of barley, bread, rolled into the camp, hit the tent, upset it, and uh, destroyed it. And uh, immediately his friend, another uh, fellow warrior, said this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon. God has given the Midianites into his hands. And with that final confirmation, Gideon attacked 135,000 armed soldiers with just 300 men. Is that bizarre? I mean, stop and think about it. Is that bizarre? It's incredible. If God is not speaking, that would be pure foolishness. So seeking confirmation or testing what we're hearing is not a sign of faithlessness, but rather biblical wisdom. There's a rule of thumb that I use. The riskier the decision, the greater the need for confirmation. The riskier the decision, the greater the need for confirmation. So what are some of the confirmations that we, that we should use? There are others, but this is many as we're going to be able to take in one Sunday morning. Test number one, or confirmation number one, consider if it violates any scriptural principles. And immediately you'll go, oh yeah, 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 I get that. Now just hang on a sec. God cannot contradict himself. He must be true to himself. Is it true? Yeah. Second Timothy says we're faithless. 
if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And what that means is that God's very essence, his character, his attributes are constant, and they are consistent. He's always every one of his characteristics all at the same time. It's not like he's loving one time and judging the other time. No, he's always the same way. He's merciful, he's just, he's loving, he's kind, he's gracious. He's all of those things, all at the same time, and all the time. That's incredible, isn't it? Therefore, when someone claims to have received a word from God, it cannot contradict God's written word ever. God would never contradict himself. So when a man, and this actually happened, a man divorced his wife, left his family, married another woman so he could go to the mission field. Because he heard God's voice. He heard a voice, but it wasn't God's voice. He heard a spirit, but it wasn't God's spirit. Because Malachi says, I hate divorce. There's another example. Any voice that promises exemption from suffering and failure is most certainly not from God. God doesn't come to lead us out of all our troubles and give us a carefree life. When I left my flying career, I walked into more troubles, not less. And so have many of you. Isn't it true? Some of you, when you sold out, things just got worse. Did it? Following Jesus led them directly, uh, uh, because that, that's what happened to Jesus. Uh, it happened to the disciples, the early church, Paul. Following Jesus led them directly into trouble. Paul has a whole litany of things that happened to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 25, 28. I don't know, I don't think there's any of us that could match that list of troubles. Is it true? Here's another one. Open versus closed doors. I hear so many people talk about it all the time. Well, I, I'll, I'll go if the door is open. I'll go, I won't go if the door is closed. Sometimes God wants you to not go through an open door, and sometimes he wants you to go right through the closed door. And there are many examples of that in Scripture. Many believe... You determine God's will using that, but that doesn't line up. Sometimes God wants us to do it. 1995, the tiny ch uh, church here at Southline, 150, they voted on Fran and I, and we had, we had come to the conclusion that's actually what God wanted us to do, though we had originally intended to move somewhere else. And then uh, the, uh, the Lord really spoke to us. I mean, he got a hold of us. And finally we agreed, okay, we're, we're going to pastor in Steinbeck. We thought we were just going to continue going west again. We'd been gone for 18 years. And uh, so we, you know, the vote came up, and uh, the board said, I, I wanted 90, 90 to 100%, and they said, well, that's ridiculous. Um, I said, well, what do you think it should be? They said, about 60%. And I said, well, I, I haven't even made any enemies yet. I should be able to do better than 60. So we compromised at 70. This is a true story. And I hit 69. And I, fa I didn't make it the first time around. And we scratched our head as we were driving home. We said, we never wanted to be here. But we finally became convinced God wanted us here. So I wonder what went down here. And then somebody phoned us and said, would you reconsider letting your name stand for another vote. And we said, hmm, nothing in the scripture says you can't have two votes. 
Uh, you know, it's not in the Ten Commandments or anything like that. And so he said, yes. The door was closed, but God said, I want you to go through that closed door. Is it true? But there are other times when the door is open and God says, I don't want you going through. Got a call in, well, got a letter and then, and, and, and then the following year got a, a, a phone call and from a denomination of over 500 churches and, and they said, would you consider uh, being the president of our denomination? And I went, oh my goodness, this is God's will. <laughs> open door, here we go. I just, I'm back straight to Southern Ontario again. And uh, we were so sure it was God's will. Uh, we just knew it was God's will. And then over the next couple of months, as we started applying some of these considerations, you know, some of these confirmations, the Holy Spirit began to speak to us and said, no, I don't want you to do that. And I said, well, that's 500 churches we can influence God. And he said, I don't want you influencing 500 churches. I don't want you influencing those. I want you to stay right where you are. In fact, you can say yes if on two conditions. I said, yeah, okay, what are the conditions? He said, number one, they have to let you keep pastoring at Southland. I said, God, they'll never let me do it. That's the condition. I said, number, and he said, number two, they can't force your church to become part of the denomination. I said, God, that's impossible. Those are the conditions. I was embarrassed as I told them on the phone what the conditions were, and that's the last time I heard of them. <laughs> wow. But today we understand we could have only influenced a fraction of those 500 churches, but in just three and a half years, in the last three and a half years, we already, you know, going from two pastors, and by next week it'll be around 150 in total pastors already in just three and a half years. That's remarkable. And all these pastors want it. Is that amazing? Does God know what he's doing, or does he know what he's doing? See, if we, if we did things with our natural mind, we would never do them the way he does. He is way smarter. That's the understatement. Would you agree? He knows what he is doing. He made us. We don't know what's going on. We hardly know ourselves. Never mind what we should be doing. And any leader who thinks that they know what they're doing, apart from listening to God daily... is only fooling himself. You'll never accomplish anything for the kingdom worthwhile and leave it behind. Never. Because only in God can we do anything. Amen. This means those that wish to correctly hear the still small voice of God must spend much time in the Word. Why? Because that's when you begin to understand the principles and then when you, you know, like an open door. Some people think that. But if, you, if, if you're spending lots of time in the Word every day and in prayer, you get to know how God works. And then you can get proper then you hear him properly, and you can get proper confirmation. Let's go to Ted. Uh, in fact, let me just make this little warning here. If you don't read your Bible regularly, I would argue daily, 
you're in great danger of hearing God incorrectly because the devil will take advantage of you. He tried it on Jesus. Jesus knew, knew the word. Isn't it true? Amen. Listening to God and hearing God's voice is very dangerous if you don't have a walk with God. If you don't know him intimately in the word and in prayer in the morning, early, then beware of hear, listening prayer because it'll get you into all kinds of grief and trouble. Test number two, we've got to move on. See if the circumstances point in the same direction. We were on a trip to Paraguay back in 2013 to fulfill a, a promise to Jerry and Delia Reimer who came from this church and then went to pastor a church there in Loma Plata. And uh, we fulfilled our promise because the church had said they wouldn't uh, take him. He was, young. he was a young pastor then, but look how many years he's been there already now, three and a half years, and they're coming in January. Oh, that's so exciting, isn't it? And they're bringing a bunch of pastors from different countries in South America. But anyway, um, so we fulfilled the promise because they said he would not be able to be the, their pastor unless, he, unless I would back him and be behind him and, you know, mentor him and that kind of stuff. He is in the church renewal mentoring every week from uh, Paraguay in one of our groups. We had just taken off from Asuncion for Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil, when I had a thought to ask the Lord, what do you want uh, to talk to me about this trip? Is there, is there anything else? I mean, we fulfilled a promise. Now he can be the pastor. Everything's fine. And no sooner did I have the words out of my Mouth, but in a, in a quiet prayer on the plane, I was looking out. I can I can still see the scene. This ball of emotion just erupted in me, and 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 I I couldn't contain it. And Fran looked at me and she said, "What just happened there?" And I said, "I said I God just spoke to me." And I said, "I believe that the Holy Spirit just said, I've given you the Father's heart for Latin America.'" I, I'm in Steinbach. Latin America? I don't know Latin America. I don't know Spanish. I don't even know how to wear a sombrero and a poncho properly. <laughs> so people think it looks dignified and not funny. But immediately this tremendous love I had for Latin America. You, you, can't, you can't conjure those kinds of things up. Now, there's nothing wrong with God working powerfully upon your spirit so that you experience a strong emotion. It may be a good way of alerting you that he is speaking to you or that you should pay attention. But it's not enough to immediately drop your work, focus on the church from 100% to 75%, uh, 25%, as I have done, because now 75% of my time is basically on church renewal, so that you can begin working outside the church. You don't just drop everything and stop everything and do radical things just because you felt an emotion. But it is enough to catch your attention and say, wait a minute, maybe God's speaking. Now I need some confirmation. You need further clarifications, confirmations. So on the leg from Sao Paulo to Toronto, Fran had just shown an inquiring stewardess a picture of us surrounded by our family uh, with all our 17 grandkids and so on. And when the picture more, uh, and when the stewardess left, she was looking at the picture on her desktop, on her, on, on her uh, laptop there in the, uh, in, in the plane, and suddenly it morphed. And the two of us were left, and now it was a, small, a family of nations around us. Well, that was a, 
when we got to the airport, she said, uh, uh, to the lounge in uh, Toronto, Air Canada Lounge, we, uh, she said, I have to talk to you. And she told me about this picture. Well, that was a bit of a confirmation there. And then I recalled the uh, 2004 prophecy of a stranger, Grace Chin, who was uh, related to our, our prayer team in Malaysia that had been praying for us so long since South Korea. And, uh, and how Grace Chin had called us and said, you must meet Grace Chin in, in Toronto. And uh, when we met her in the lobby, I said to Fran, I'll give her five minutes. Turned out she came in. We had never met her before. She had been fasting and praying, and she said, I never meet with people uh, when I'm fasting and praying. She was uh, actually originally a grad from the University of Manitoba, but had moved to Toronto to minister over there. And, uh, and uh, immediately in the lobby, we're sitting down, and she, she began to tell Fran and I things about ourselves that nobody could have known. Uh, we were both stunned. We looked at each other, and I said, would you like to come up to our room? She came up to our room, and for the next couple of hours, she prophesied, and we prayed together, and she said, uh, you will be ministering to other countries as well. So then I remembered this, and I thought, well, because, you know, you hold those things loosely, and you don't go talking about them at that time. You just kind of hold them there. You wonder what they're all about. And then I think about a year and a half ago, Irv Funk, one of our board elders, asked me if, he, if I'd be interested in hiring Eddie and Christina Dubon for church renewal, and I said no. He, he, said, he asked me in the office, very nice, he's a really nice guy. He's also from Grunthal. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said no, I'm, I'm, not I'm not interested. Yeah, but... Uh, you know, they know Latin America. They've been with Operation Mobilization for seven years. They've been with Campus Crusade for 17 years. I mean, 13 years. And, and they know a lot of people, etc. I said, I said, Irv, I'm not ready for Latin America. I don't even know what we're doing in Canada. No, I don't, I don't want them. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. So he said, okay, fine. He's a really gracious man. Next, next day, we met at Smitty's unrelated to this whole discussion, and when the, uh, the, the business that we were discussing at, at hand was done, we went out in the parking lot, just as we were about to leave, he looked at me and he said, so have you thought any more about Eddie and Christina Dubon? I said, I just said to you yesterday, no. I thought, wow, what is, what is happening here? Uh, so right then I had this thought, I should go wash my car. It was filthy. Now, usually Fran washes my car, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 you <laughs> bleeding hearts. She wants to. <laughs> Tell them, honey. <laughs> so I, I said, um, I thought to myself, almost I had this urge, and I, like I had a lot, so much to do, and I, I, I got to wash my car. So I went to... Uh, uh, to uh, a car wash, and, and uh, I, I, I left my car there, and they drove it in the car wash. I, I, came, I came in a door. I no sooner come in the door, and I hear, Pastor Ray! <laughs> and I look, and it's Christina Dubon coming around the corner. I said, oh, hi, Christina, how are you doing? And we got chatting, and we didn't know each other, really know each other. We knew of each other, but that was about it. We had just been talking a few minutes in the door that I had just come in, opens, and here comes Eddie Dubon. 
Pastor Ray, I got to tell you what God's doing in my heart, and et cetera, et cetera. I didn't, uh, I, I, I didn't really like the church before as I was going to seminary here, but now God's really worked my heart, and, and I love the church. And he just went on and on, and I just went, wow, this is amazing. And then all at once I hear laughing on my left, and I look over there, and it's Irvin Funk. <laughs> I went home and I said to my wife, I said, something's going on. I think we're supposed to hire Eddie and Christina Dubon, but I don't, I don't want to hire them. <clears throat> I'm not ready for them. It's going to cost me more work because they, they, they will create a lot of more activity. <laughs> and so um, we had our first interview, and uh, at the interview, I looked at them and, and I said, you guys are really nice, but I really don't want to hire you. And they just smiled. <laughs> yes, yes. We know, we know, but we know God and He's going to hire us. <laughs> you know? And uh, it's amazing. I mean, now, just a couple months ago, we were Miami and then Puebla, Veracruz, Acapulco, where, uh, where uh, Christina's actually from. And now we've, we've got like over 70 from Mexico and all these other Latin American countries and it's just spreading. And some of them we're already mentoring online. It's incredible. But look at how all the circumstances start to line up. So it's not just a ball of emotion once and then you say, oh, now we move. No, no, then all kinds of things start to happen. Here's another test. Ask yourself if the word was recurring. A recurring good thought is often an indication of God speaking. Pharaoh received two dreams that had the same meaning. See what Joseph says about this. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. Recurring words or thoughts or pictures are a sign that God is speaking. I'm, I'm thinking about uh, uh, the trip, uh, uh, trip to Argentina back in 2006. And I was in Colorado Springs. Fran and I were there. And I, I got up really early. It was pitch black. And I said, honey, you, I'm going to go and pray found this big church parking lot, and uh, I faced the mountains because they're right up closer, and the sun is coming up behind later. So I'm sitting in the passenger side, and I'm praying, and I'm journaling, and I'm listening, and I'm saying to God, well, here's on my list here, God, I, I just have a sense I should go to this transformation conference, and that had been on my mind for some time, and then the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly, I don't want you to go into the transformation conference. Okay, that's, that's fine. No problem. I, I don't, it was going to be in July. It was going to be when I was off anyway, so I thought that'd be a good time. But the, and it was in New York City, and the Holy Spirit said, don't go. So I left it, and I forgot about it. He told me some of the things he wanted me working on right then. And uh, so uh, then came September. I, I remember I was sitting and praying early one morning in September, and all at once I'm thinking about the transformation conference. I'm saying... And, I'm, and so I just dismissed it. And I started praying about something else. Tra transformation conference comes up again. I, I, start, I, I dismissed it. I prayed. And it just kept coming up and kept coming up. And the next day, and the next day, finally I just said, well, well, Lord, it's too late. It was in July. If you check the calendar, it was July in New York. It's, it's done. And then I had this prompting, go to the website. So I, I looked it up on the website. Oh, there's a transformation conference coming up end of October in Argentina, Buenos Aires. <laughs> well, God, 
It would have been a lot cheaper <laughs> if we'd gone to New York City. And now for the next few days, I couldn't get this thing out of my head. And uh, so finally, I, I said to Fran, I think we're supposed to go to Argentina to the transformation thing. I, I said, I don't understand it. doesn't make sense, but I think we're supposed to go. Called Leonard Tilly, and, and there's quite a story that goes with that. And if I had time, I'd tell that one. It's a great story, too, how I pray that God would make Len come. <laughs> because, I mean, I mean, he's got a business to run. He's got a life, too. And he said, no, I'm not coming. And then I kept praying. I said, God, he says he won't come. And then uh, God said, leave it to me, he'll come. <laughs> I kept praying, and all of a sudden I get a phone call from Len. Ray. Yes, Len. I've been thinking about that trip to Argentina. <laughs> I don't want to go. I got lots to do. I know, Len, I know, I know. I, I get it. I told you, you don't have to go. Well, I, I prayed and I said to God, then there better be two tickets in business class, because otherwise I'm not going. So he phoned Air Canada and they said, there's two seats left on the entire plane. The, the only seats you can get are in business class. <laughs> With that, he went to Argentina. In Argentina, we ended up on a bus with uh, going to Los Almos prison to see the prison work that was being done. And they, plant they were planting churches in prisons with prisoners as the pastors, actual prisoners. And it was remarkable. Fran and I were on the top level of the bus, and we're sitting on one side, and an African man comes and sits right across the aisle from me, so I began to engage him in conversation, <clears throat> and turned out his name was uh, uh, Apostle Alex Mitala from Uganda. And there were some Ugandans there, the Minister of Taxation and Finance was there, and the First Lady of Uganda was there for this transformation conference. And so I asked him lots of questions. He told me lots of things. It was neat, two, two and a half hours one way, and then two, two and a half hours the other way. We got back, and I said, wow, that was neat. I met, a, I got, I met this great African uh, minister. <laughs> and he oversaw 17,000 churches at that time. And, uh, and so I, I just thought that was really neat. And I told Fran about it, and that was it. That night, I couldn't get that man off my mind. The next morning, he was on my mind. The following night, he was on my mind. He was on my mind all day long. I could not get him out of my mind. Finally, I said to Fran, I don't know what it is. I just can't get him out of my mind. She said, you know what that means. Yeah, I know, I said. So I talked to Len. He went and talked to the Minister of Taxation and, and uh, Minister of Taxation and and I went and talked to Apostle Alex, and we sat together, and we said, <laughs> we feel a little foolish why we're calling this meeting, but we just have a feeling maybe we're supposed to do something in Uganda. You know, we've never, I've never been to Africa. Lennon's never been to Africa. Our church has never done anything in Africa. Nothing! And we had a subsequent meeting, and finally he said, you need to come visit us. We did. That was November 2006. In, in March 2007, there was a team of seven that went from here, two doctors, four businessmen, and a pastor, me. And uh, we went over there, and we checked it out, saw the tremendous work he was doing with, uh, with all these uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, 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 orphans and stuff from the war and, and uh, church planning and clinics and all that kind of stuff. And that was in addition to the 17,000 churches that he was elected to oversee. He was the overseer of that. 
And God really spoke to the entire team and said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to work with that man in Africa. And so uh, we selected, uh, selected Joe Waldner, and he formed a team, and now we've got this team with farmers and stuff, experts, and they've built this fantastic big farm over their mechanized farm, sent tractors, brand new tractors and combines, and, and uh, set up this whole mechanized farm system, big machine shed and granary and augers and plows and diskers and planters, shipped it all. Eight, eight big containers and all <laughs> have gone there. And these massive water tanks to, to collect water. Now over 2,200 kids are educated and fed and clothed and they get clean water and they, they get medicine and, uh, and training and all kinds of things. And now we just found out, Joe came back with, uh, with uh, Ryan and Marty, and, and Joe just found out he started a second one. He surprised, uh, he surprised uh, Joe and showed him he's now already got another school. Of course, uh, there's, so there's 2,200 at the one, and the farm is, is taking care of them. And now he started another one because of the uh, you know, near, nearly a million that we've invested in there and that we're doing. Now, he built the Kachiri Center, and our IT guys go there, a couple of them, uh, the head of our IT department, uh, Ryan Workington and Martin Gunter, and they set it all up so we can do vid the video conferencing and the mentoring right from here, just like we do in other places. And guess who is here? Apostle Alex's son-in-law, Henry Kakuza, is here, and he's sitting right over here on the front row. Is that amazing? And he's going to work for church renewal, and he's going to help us get set up in the surrounding countries around there. Stefan and I were already uh, 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 training over the last year to, uh, to pastors from six different countries there. But now we're going to be able to do it on an every week basis. Ask if it's recurring. It all because of recurring thoughts. Test number four. Ask for a personalized word from Scripture. God speaks to people through the Bible in two ways, universally or generally, to everyone. And he speaks personally or specifically to individual people with specific messages for specific situations at specific times. And that is essentially what meditation is. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this, uh, this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Think about it. Joshua would have had only the first five books of the Bible. He didn't have 60, all 66. He just had the Pentateuch. That's it. Second, Joshua spent decades as Moses' assistant preparing to lead. Don't you think he knew the five books after decades with Moses backwards and forwards? Especially if Moses was writing it? Yes or no? He would have known it very, very, very well. So why meditate on it day and night in order to be prosperous? He knows it. He might have memorized the whole thing. So that God could speak to him about the specifics that he would be facing each and every day that he led. This is how the Spirit guides us into all truth. John 16, uh, Jesus said that about the Spirit, right? He guides us into the truth about who God is. He guides us into the truth about who we are. He guides us into the truth about the world around us, and he guides us into the truth about how God wants to interact between all three. 
This is how the great German theologian and martyr Dietrich Bonhoeffer lived his life. And I've shared uh, examples right from out of, his, uh, out, of, out of the bi biography by Eric Metaxas. I'm not going to do it again uh, right now. But how God would literally speak to him and he'd leave, he left New York Seminary in safety after being there only a couple of months and got right back on the ship and went right back to Germany knowing that he would probably be arrested and maybe even martyred if he went back because he was standing against the German uh, Third Reich. And he did it because when he was reading the scripture, uh, it, the scripture just came out and spoke to him on June 24th and then again two days later. Uh, the one who believes doesn't flee was one, and the other one was, do your best to come here before winter. And with that, he went and he did it. And here's the neat thing. He ran an underground seminary. This guy was brilliant. He was known. In fact, his friends told him to leave Germany because they wanted to save his brilliant mind. For when Germany would finally come out of its, uh, its chaos. And he started, I mean, he, he taught in the most prestigious seminaries in the world. And yet, he had to go underground, he taught an uh, underground seminary, and that's what he taught his seminary students to do every single day. To be in the Word and listen to the Holy Spirit speak and direct them. Is that amazing? That is essentially what meditation does. And God's Spirit has spoken to many of his great saints in this manner throughout history. I'm going to tell you uh, another little story, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to throw you for a little bit of a loop. I'm going to try something. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a chance on using this illustration. But because I already showed you that when I wanted something, I couldn't have it. The Holy Spirit said, no. He did the same thing with my career. And he said, no, I, I want you to leave that. And then I left. So you know already that I, I will listen on that. But one day... Um, um, our, our children grew up and they moved out of the house. We were living on Madison uh, Drive. They weren't mad at us, they just grew up. So it was a good thing. And uh, they moved out of the house, and so Fran and I started looking to downsize. We thought, we'll sell the house and we'll go into a condo or something. And then we started to receive words. A friend immediately warned us against doing it. Then uh, Chris, one day, just out of the blue, said, Dad, you know, you ought to build a bigger house for the family. And then uh, Kim and Travis kept urging us to build a house right next to them. Now, what are the chances of your children asking you to build next to them? <laughs> Even Grace Fast said she sensed we were to do it. Well, <laughs> we just thought, uh, this sounds too much like, you know, setting up a kingdom here on earth. Uh, I, I don't know that God's really in this thing. And so Fran, uh, we, we, want, we were looking for confirmation. Fran was reading the story of God leading the Israelites with a cloud of fire by night and a cloud by day. And they wouldn't move unless the cloud, God's presence, moved. And in prayer, she told the Lord that he, we wouldn't move ahead unless we could clearly see his cloud moving ahead of us. And then she felt a strong sense of peace and then continued her Bible reading. And the next thing she read was out of Numbers chapter 10, verse 11. In the second year, in the second month, on the 20th day of the month, the cloud lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony, and the people of Israel set out. She couldn't believe it. She had just prayed that the cloud would lift and move out. Then something stirred powerfully within her as the Spirit alerted to her to the date that morning, February the 20th. 
the 20th day of the second month, this happened to her and God was speaking to her. Guess what? We did build it and now we see it. In addition to the 30 or so from our family and uh, extended family and stuff that we have over, we have been hosting large groups of church renewal denominational leaders and pastors. We couldn't have done it in the other place. God knew what he was doing. Amen. He knew exactly what he was doing. But here's a warning. When listening to God's voice, be especially cautious when, when what you are hearing for or listening for is something you actually want. Number five, receive wise counsel. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And when we're receiving advice and good counsel, we must always remember that what we're asking for is rooted in that person's knowledge, biblical or otherwise, in their personal experience or wisdom gleaned from observing the way things really are, or a spiritual gift. There are many topics on which one should receive advice or counsel from those who are qualified to give, to give it, for marriage, for parenting, finances, career. It'd be foolish to just say, I just listen to God and I won't listen to anybody else who's got wise advice. Scripture says we should, and that can be a confirmation. Isn't that true? We don't just go on some kind of feeling or I read something and it stuck out. We should be talking to others who knows something about, by the way, you don't go to somebody who doesn't know anything about that area and ask them for counsel. Would you agree? Uh, it was uh, 19, uh, 1984, or 1983, I should say, and, and uh, we were living in Kitchener-Waterloo, and, and we had been uh, leading some people to Christ from Woodstock, and they were coming, they were coming to Kitchener-Waterloo, and we'd disciple them on Sunday afternoon, that kind of stuff. And one of them suggested we planted a church in Woodstock. I said, I don't plant churches. Uh, I'm going to be a pastor, but I don't plant churches. But that thought just wouldn't leave me. There's that recurring thing. And finally I decided, I said to Fran, I think we should, I should go talk to our pastor. He knows something about pastoring. So I did. Set up a lunch. I bought the lunch and uh, met with him. And I said, I said, Pastor, uh, Pastor Bill, I, I, don't, I don't know what you'd think about this, but we're wondering, what, do you, what would you think if we were to pastor, uh, I mean, plant a church 30 minutes down the highway on, uh, in Woodstock? And he said, Dirk, it's perfectly obvious to everybody that you should plant that church. I said, it is? Well, yes, you're discipling those people. They're coming in from Woodstock every, every Sunday afternoon, and you're discipling them, and many of them were from AA, and they're coming to Christ, and you, you should plant a church. Yes, absolutely. And then he went back to his lunch. And I went, huh. Uh, that is a test, and it was a, a clear test. Test number six, receive confirmation through others. This is different than counsel. This is where more subjective. This is where they're listening in prayer. Maybe they receive a dream or a vision or whatever it is. And um, it's, it, it's not based on concrete things such as experience and observation, knowledge and training. So you've got to be very careful with this. Uh, but in this test, another person receives something from God concerning a decision we need to make. And uh, um, when we were in Argentina, back to that story Apostle Alex, and we were in Argentina, and uh, finally, I, I, Fran and I were praying about it, and of course we were dealing, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was talking with Len and that kind of stuff, and then I, I, I fired off an email from the hotel 
to Grace Fast, our pastor of prayer and prophecy, and I, I said, you know, if God shows you anything, would you send it to me? Immediately, I get this response. Like, she was sitting right there, and she immediately sent it back, and I got it in Buenos Aires. And uh, she said, several months ago, I got a vision of an African man, his, the face of an African man, and it's vivid in my mind. I didn't know what it meant then, and I haven't known, and the Lord would not reveal when I asked, asked him. Today, when I received your email, just a, mo a moment ago, she said, immediately there was a prompting in me that I should tell you, I think this might be what it was for. But she had never told me that before. And I thought, aha, so maybe there is something to it. See, and that encouraged us to move on. Uh, later on, uh, Apostle Alex did come at the end of 2007. About a year later, he was here for his first visit. You'll recall that, some, many of you. And when he did, uh, she met him for the first time, and she came rushing over to my office, and she said, she said, Pastor Ray, the face that I saw of the African man, that's the very face of Apostle Alex. That is the face I saw. Is that amazing? Yeah. Confirmations. And it's uh, very, very important. I want to go to one last one, and then we'll be done. Uh, I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I got to do this briefly. Dreams and visions. Acts 2 says, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Do you know why dreams and visions are so necessary and powerful? Because you can't make them up. Either you had a dream or you didn't. You just can't make it up. Would you agree with that? This, mean, this means of speaking to us and confirming direction is very, very powerful. Uh, nearly two years ago in summer, we were, I was writing in Vancouver, and I woke up. Uh, I had a dream one night, and here's the dream. I dreamt that I had a lead part in, um, in an operetta production <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was in New York, I think. <laughs> and I was in the makeup room. And um, get serious, would you, church? <laughs> and I was in the makeup room, and I was, uh, you know, and uh, there were others, and they had makeup. And for some reason, I was having a discussion with Randy Wolgamuth. And uh, we were having this discussion, and time was slipping by, and people got their makeup, they got their uh, get up on, and they, they started to move out. And finally, it was just Randy and I left. And I was still sitting there, didn't have my makeup on, didn't have my clothes, uh, you know, my, my costume on. And finally, um, Randy looks and he says, oh my, I got to get out of here. Uh, I got to get my seat. And I was left alone in the makeup room and I realized I didn't have my makeup on, I didn't have my, my costume on. And then I heard the, the people were gathering and then I heard the chorus began to sing, uh, the big choir chorus. And all at once I was alarmed because... I realized I was the first one who was supposed to say some lines right after that song. And I didn't have a costume, I didn't have makeup on. And I just absolutely panicked because I suddenly realized I couldn't get that all done in time. I had to be out there. I hadn't gone over my lines. 
I was, uh, now I was panicked so, so hard, I, 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 I couldn't even remember what my lines were going to be. I was, I was in a complete state of panic, and I woke up, and I was breathing heavily. And this is in, in Vancouver. And I just went, oh, that was an awful dream. And then the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. He said, Ray, that's the state of the church today. The church is playing around in the West. The state, the, the church is asleep. In fact, I talked to a, a pastor from this province uh, of a reasonably significant uh, church uh, some years back. And this is what he said to me. Normal church attendance in our church now is two out of four per month. That's normal. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and said, time is almost out. We're running out of time. And the church is asleep. She's not renewed. The church is not praying. The church does not know how to hear my voice. The church does not walk with me. And she's not being the salt and the light that she needs to be. And we're running out of time. People say to me all the time, hey, it's getting darker, but the light will shine bright. Shines bright in darkness. Yeah, you can have such a thing as a dim light. Did you know that? And right now, the Canadian church, at least, has a dim light. And she needs to be renewed. Dreams are tremendous confirmation. Fran, was, Fran and I were returning from uh, a retreat center in Pinawal where we used to run our retreats. I had to rush home. I had been leading the retreat at Set Free, and uh, uh, I was rushing home because I had to make an announcement. We ran four services in those days. It was Saturday night. And then next morning, we were going to uh, drive back. As we were driving home, it was about 11 p.m., and there were combines all over the place. They were on every field. They were on the roads. They were everywhere. And it's true. This is true. And uh, we had never seen anything like it. They were bringing in the harvest. A couple of years ago, Fran was praying for me because she, 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 was, she was concerned for me. And she felt Ray's pushing too hard. I don't think he should be. And she was praying and she was reading the word and she was talking to God. And suddenly he gave her a vision of that night. And the Holy Spirit asked her this question said, What do farmers do when it's time to bring in the harvest? And she said, well, Lord, they, they, they'll work around the clock if they have to, to bring in the harvest. And then he said, Ray's not pushing too hard. The time is late, and we've got to get the harvest in. Amen? Amen. Dreams and visions. And the scriptures tell us, that God's going to work through dreams and visions more powerfully in these last times than ever before. Church, do you hear God? Are you spending time with him every day? Church leaders, are you spending time with him every day? Listening to him, getting, receiving guidance, because you don't know how to run your churches and your organizations just like I don't know. 
only the Lord of the church knows what he's doing. Amen? And he knows exactly what we've got to do. Father, help us. We submit ourselves to you in Jesus' name to press into you, to love you, to pray, to hear your voice, and to confirm it so we don't do foolish things, but that we do things by faith to get ready for these last days in the harvest that will come during the darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Southland Church. For more information or to download this and many other messages, please visit us at myselfland.com.